0: Mock turtle soup has been served and consumed at Paycor Stadium, which means Mike Brown has made his annual address to the media and the topic this time Joe Burrow's extension. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals Podcast. I'm your host Jake Lisco. He's your host James Rapine. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to this show on YouTube or anywhere you get your podcast. Become an everydayer. We appreciate all of you everydayers who stick with us in the off season so much. And the good news for all of you is that the off season after Mock Turtle Soup is nearly done. And also, shout out to those of you who make us your first listen every day. And James, Mock Turtle Soup. Big day at Paul Brown, Paycor, whatever we call it, Stadium, Joe Stadium. And, and Joe Burrow stadium, Field,
1: Joe Burrow Complex.
0: Relevant today as a topic of conversation, for the most part, with Mike Brown. And there were some other topics discussed as well. And, and Duke Tobin started with Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. And as expected, not a whole lot from Duke Tobin or the Bengals under Mike Brown, but even in not saying a lot, it's it's worth a conversation because it does tell us a little bit about where they are and, and what to expect. And people are probably wondering how to interpret the the smoke signals from the whole lot of nothing in terms of what was actually said.
1: Yeah, a couple of things. I, Duke and, and Katie, I think of both this offseason, said that it doesn't need to be a pecking order. And yet... And I think that's more to hold face, right? And not say, yeah, we got to get Joe done before we look at any of these other guys. But Mike implied that on, on Monday and basically saying like, look, we know the big fish. And I don't think he used the term fish, but we know the biggest of them. And once you get him done and see what size of pie you're giving him, he used plenty of pie references, which you could go a couple different ways. Pizza pie, mock turtle soup, pie. That doesn't sound as good to me, but... Uh, I, I certainly went with the pizza route, not the dessert route. And uh, maybe it's because I was hungry and it was lunchtime. That said, I I think that there, the order, and this may seem like obvious that, all right, well, they got to get Joe done first. But I think deep down, they are trying to get Joe done first. And then after that, they can evaluate how much they can give tea. So I think that's one of the takeaways is Mike acknowledging that, that, that there is, essentially an order or a list or whatever the case is. And I asked him because he made multiple pie references because of the salary cap. And there's only so much. And whether it was referencing Joe Mixon's contract, for example, and and the rework of that deal or paying Joe Burrow. And I said, is this the most pie that, that you've had to to figure out? You've had so many mouths to feed uh, that, you know, they've never been this good, right. With this many young players in this stage of their career, Certainly, since Mike took over in 1991, and, and so I, I asked him that, and he said, "Look, he used a. All of these guys need to, to need to eat, and we're trying to feed as many of them as we can. And, and so I think Joe Burrow is going to be the one that's the most full, and, and then they'll go from there. But uh, yeah, they're they're trying to work through it. I, I think it's I think it's tough, and, and I think that's why Mike didn't want to talk about it and made the agreement." With Joe Burrow's agent, and and that's the other part of this. And I I do think it's interesting that they, both parties agreed, hey, let's not talk about this through the media. Let's keep this very business-like behind closed doors, and we won't say anything. And and obviously Joe's side hasn't said anything, and I think that's why everyone's sort of in the dark. It's not like we have any type of, oh, well, this is the sticking point. It's guaranteed money, or it's number of years, or it's average annual salary. I I don't think anybody knows, and and it's because everyone's been tight-lipped.
0: Yeah, and it does show that there is mutual interest in getting the deal done, I think. I think it shows that there's mutual interest in not letting it become a big story that is, as you mentioned, negotiated through the media, as Mike Brown mentioned, negotiated through the media, something that both parties want to avoid. Uh, Workman-like approach, as you would expect, I think, from Joe Burrow and his, his agent in this case, and from the Cincinnati Bengals. And I mean, the Bengals weren't going to say anything publicly about it either way. Uh, Mike Brown, Duke Tobin, Zach Taylor, go down the list, have all effusively praised Joe Burrow over his career. Same today. Mike Brown praised Joe Burrow again, called him the heart of the team. Obviously, they want to get that deal done. I think the deal still will get done. I don't think that today has changed anything. I think it is likely somewhat imminent without putting a, an exact timeline on it, this is around the time of year where we start to see these big deals often get done for the Bengals historically. And if it is going to get done, which we think it will, this would be around the time of year where you would expect to see that happen.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it's going to happen soon. And the the biggest, I don't even think it's a takeaway, but it just kind of reaffirms everything. They want to get this done now because they know that they have other guys to to get done Mm -hmm. and and they want to keep this core together and keep as many of these guys as they can and so to me the interesting part is and they weren't they won't say it but i wonder the ideas that they have creative wise to get as many of these deals done as possible because it's really easy to say all right well you get a quarter of the pie joe and then this player gets uh a 15th of the pie and then joe mixon takes a cut so it allows us to give a little more here and there okay fine but how creative are they willing to go and 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 so that part the structure of not only burrow's contract but the other contracts i think is is interesting the length the the money up front the signing bonus money like what where do they go with that? How do they do it? Because obviously they've, they've used those signing bonuses, Orlando Brown Jr. being one of them, to to give money up front and get deals done. So I, I do wonder uh, w- which route they'll go there. But that that's the part of it that you know they weren't going to talk about. They weren't going to get into the weeds. So I didn't ask it. But how creative are they willing to go to, say, keep Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, and Jamar Chase under contract past their current contracts and current deals?
0: It's not even something they talk about after the deals are done. So, of course, they're not going to talk about it. You know, (laughs) the last time Duke Tobin was asked about contract structure, he was surprised that anyone cared about contract structure, which I I thought was – I brought that quote up a few times for the everydayers. He's he's like, I'm surprised you guys out there even care about the contracts and are looking at them. I didn't know fans cared about that stuff. Uh, But the reason that we talk about it is because it it tells you a little bit about what the team is planning to do at different positions and it helps you to project the future. And they're working through details like – first two years pay uh, cash flow for Joe Burrow, trying to make sure that he gets the most money in X period of time or the most guarantees. Maybe they're still waiting for the Herbert deal to happen, to make sure that they don't agree to something. And then Herbert one upset. And, and now Joe Burrow has that tiny bit of FOMO or, or resentment or whatever it might be that, that he didn't wait that extra couple of days and that deal obviously not done for Herbert could be honestly what they're waiting for just to make sure that what they've got yeah. in place and what they've proposed is something that will age the way they want it to age. I, I think
1: that's a really good point because, and this is a theory, right? So so don't aggregate this and, and tweet at a thousand chiefs fans because I don't know for sure, but are we sure Patrick Mahomes is happy with, with that contract decision? Loses his is arguably his best weapon, certainly one of the best weapons in the league. They did keep Kelsey, Chris Jones holding out. Loses his left tackle. It's not. It's not like he, he got to keep his left tackle. You better believe he was not happy that Orlando Brown Jr. didn't stick around long term. I, I know that part. Like everyone says, ten year deal. Yeah, you want your guy to be happy though, and and I, I think that the Chiefs are going to have to renegotiate that deal sooner rather than later with Mahomes. Um, But maybe i'm wrong i could be dead wrong on that but you don't want to get into that spot with joe burrow Mm -hmm. and it's easy for me to say from afar when they're still the defending super bowl champs right it still works out that said i think there's a happy medium where the bengals can still operate and still keep good players around burrow but he also doesn't have a market deal that's just so below market that it's ridiculous
0: well the way they do that is probably making it a four-year deal that's how you avoid renegotiating these quarterback contracts you go longer than four years and toward the end of that contract who who's next like but mahomes Trevor... deal
1: mahomes's deal was dated the day he signed it though like oh, it yeah. wasn't so that's the difference is it it was always going to age poorly
0: and well I we'll think... see if anything happens with it but like maybe that's it maybe the 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 taking turns is herbert then burrow and then patrick mahomes is going to see the quarterback market settle this offseason and that's going to be it and then maybe that's maybe that's next who knows Next on this show, plenty more to talk about from Mock Turtle Suit The coaches talked. Some, some other topics were discussed with Duke Tobin and Bengals owner Mike Brown as well. And the one time a year we get to hear from Mike Brown. So we'll talk about some of those topics coming up next.
1: Today's show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes in life, we're faced with tough choices. The path forward isn't always clear, whether it's career decisions, relationships, anything else, therapy can help you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life and figure out those tough decisions so you can move forward with confidence and excitement. If you're thinking of starting therapy, you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with better help. Visit betterhelpcom slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month. That's better. H E L P dot com slash locked on for 10% off your first month.
0: Some other topics discussed at mock turtle soup include Joe Mixon's contract. The coaches have plenty to say about various training camp topics, topics we've been talking about in our training camp previews the last yep. week or so. We're pretty much all discussed By the coordinators and head coach, Zach Taylor. But if you've ever wondered what mock turtle soup is. Oh, just really, I ate it today. I ate ate
1: it today today and I have no idea. And it was good, by the way. And and I do want to real quick thank Mike and and the entire Bengals organization for for having us and doing it. Because it wasn't just mock turtle soup. It was a lovely sherbet for dessert. It was a lovely uh, piece of steak, some Mm. salmon, nice salad, some green beans. I mean, it was, it was a good meal. So everyone just assumes it's just the soup, which I do want to hear about, but it was a really good meal. So thank you.
0: I'm proud of you for eating your vegetables, James. Uh, Yeah, man, you know me. uh, There's, there's a lot of meat on that menu. Mock turtle soup, according to this, this recipe that I've quickly Googled is a ground beef soup. It's ground beef, onion, ginger snaps, pepper, lemon, egg, sherry wine, kosher salt, and Worcestershire sauce. Hey, right up my alley. I, I honestly didn't know
1: what it was. Beef makes sense. I assumed it was. I guess. I didn't give it much thought. I was like, I should
0: have I should have asked
1: you what, what you thought it was before. I would have I would have said some type of, you know, I would have said like steak or, or pork or something like that. So the,
0: the that boiled way. egg finely chopped and they mm-hmm. put that in there. That that's an interesting. That's all I've looked at this recipe before. It's not like this first time mock turtle soup, such a such a institution for the bengals you, you look into these things when you cover the team but uh, you know in case you're wondering there you go i think i was last
1: to, to like sit down for lunch and so at my table everyone else already had the soup and then they brought mine out and i think i was the first one finished even though i was the last one to get served just to give you an idea of of how i can put back some mock turtle soup so
0: one go. of those people who just goes into a trance and is fixated on the food until it's gone it was over
1: that let's mock talk, turtle didn't that, that mock turtle didn't stand a chance my man.
0: Let's mm-hmm. talk about some of the other topics discussed. Talking about before mock turtle soup. What about Joe? The
1: other Joe. Yeah. I, I uh, think there's some interesting things there. What's s- that to you?
0: S- similar praise that, that we offered after yep. we found out the full details about what Joe Mixon agreed to Duke Tobin and Mike Brown both praised Mixon's ability or or approach, professional approach, understanding the situation the team was in, his willingness to work with them, because mm-hmm. this isn't the first time the team has approached a player with a proposed pay cut. Typically, it's not the first time any NFL team has approached any player with a proposed pay cut, right? Almost always these situations result in the player being released. Mm-hmm. 90% of the time plus would be my guess. You you so rarely see deals get reworked like this where it is he, he got a little bit of a guarantee this year but it's not like there's like Aaron Jones in his pay cut fared better than Mixon did with hits for example
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, and and Mixon yeah. didn't do great in this deal he maybe comes out better than the free market and we'll see what happens with some of the other running backs out there but regardless of any of that I think that it, it's a fair acknowledgement of his willingness to work with them and Mm -hmm. and tells you what Joe Mixon thinks about this team and and wanting to stay there and and stay in the environment he's been in and has had success yeah
1: I I agree with you and I think it was a wise decision by Joe again you said we're not sure I would have been shocked if he would be able to be able to find this deal right now maybe a team gets desperate, there's an injury in camp, and something happens and they deem you the best best fit. But ask Dalvin Cook if he's excited to still be mm-hmm. out there right now. I think he was expecting to be this high-paid player from the Dolphins and just be able to jump to Miami. And Well, it's not that simple. And when you're a running back and there are other guys that are going to take way less than you, and, and that's the part, is like Zeke wants like $3 million. I think Fournette is just hoping to get a job soon. Worked out for the the Patriots last week. Like, so it's not just, oh, is Joe Mixon better? Fine, he's better. But would that team be willing to pay what it would take to get Joe versus just take the next guy, who might be a little worse, but much, much better value. And so smart move by Joe. But I I think it, it does show that the Bengals, the culture and the, 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 way they've built things over the past couple of years that there is maybe a chance that they could get the edge in some of these negotiations a little Mm -hmm. bit and by edge i don't mean get one up on the player i don't mean that i mean if it's 550 in cincinnati and six dollars elsewhere some of these guys might be willing to take 550 because you better believe joe mixon thinks he's worth the old contract whether that's fair or not i just think he had the self-awareness to to not leave. So we'll see. But hopefully this this path continues a little bit where you see guys maybe not necessarily take less because I want every player to get as much as they can, but go as team-friendly as possible to help other guys stick around because that money is going to help keep someone else in town. You mm-hmm. better believe it. That cap money. I, I don't know who. It could be DJ Reed or Logan Wilson. It could go to T. It might be part of Joe Burrow's deal, but it's going to go somewhere, and that somewhere I think is going to help keep this team as intact as possible.
0: Yeah, you heard whether it was a pie analogy or, or Duke Tobin reference. Joe Mixon taking the the hit essentially to to free up some resources mm. because they needed him. And and Duke Tobin said, you know, it's a hard decision where we have to kind of give that. Essentially an ultimatum. He didn't say this, but essentially that's what it is. It's either, it's either take this or, or something close to this, or we're going to have to move on because they needed the cap space for something else they had planned. Mm-hmm. We know what they have planned. We just spent 10 minutes talking about it. It's Joe Burr's extension. And then it's also they'd like to keep D Higgins. They'd like to keep Logan Wilson. DJ Reader has to be on their mind. Chidobe Abuze has to be, to some extent, on their mind, and we'll talk more about Cheeto, who was placed on the physically unable to perform list tomorrow, along with the other players on the physically unable to perform list, and uh, Mitchell Wilcox, who was signed. We'll talk more about that uh, in our next episode. But the the point there is that when talking about Mixon's deal, they clearly have a plan for it. It's not like they're they're doing that just to save money. They they have a plan to use that money right away and honestly if they didn't need the cap space i don't know if they would have even done it Uh, i think Mm -hmm. that it was mostly a cap thing because they i think needed a little bit more space to fit some stuff in this year
1: yeah yeah i think they're going to be making pushes to get some of these guys locked up and it's there'll be a pecking order right so it'll start with burrow but after Mm -hmm. that Let's say they don't get T done. They might not go to Logan Wilson right away. Maybe they go to DJ Reader. I asked Duke Tobin about Reader, and he said, "Man, when he's been available, and that's the part where it's tough because he has dealt with some injuries in recent years. But when yeah, he's, he's been out there, he's
0: been he's dominant. picking those. He's picking those words carefully. Is he was, Tobin. yeah, no doubt that's strategic
1: that he's been dominant. Yeah, well, that's their negotiating point. Say, yeah. Hey, man, you've been dinged up, but when you're out there, you are elite. Let's try to keep you around and." We'll see, but I, there, the point is, is, and Cheeto's on that list too, and so where do they go? How do they do it? When do they move it around? I think a, an Awuzie extension is probably tough because he's going to want you know, higher-end money, and they're going to want to see him play, so he's probably going to have to play out this year. We could talk more about him tomorrow, but overall, yeah, I think once that Burrow deal gets done, they're going to – not that they're not full-court pressing already, but then they're going to have an idea – And they're going to have to have uh, multiple strategies. And we've seen that, them being able to pivot and move Mm -hmm. to get some of these guys locked up before the start of the season.
0: That's something we've seen them do really throughout their history. I mean, you go back to Carlos Dunn, that Michael Johnson. One of you guys take this contract and we'll, we'll have plans to move on? It hasn't always worked, but in recent history for the Bengals, their pivots have been pretty on point. To finish up the show, the coaches also talked. And I I thought covered a lot of the narratives, like I mentioned, that we've talked about in the last week. And so it was interesting to hear them weigh in on some of those points. We'll finish up the show there coming up next.
1: All right, let's get to some of the coaching comments and take one of the first things uh, that I'll be looking for in training camp. We just talked about Joe Mixon some, and I asked Zach Taylor about Mixon's role. And he says it kind of changes year to year, but it really doesn't, right? He's going to be their first and down back OBN on third down, some big part of their passing game. We know all of that. But he mentioned the potential for multiple running backs to fill that, that third down passing down back where you don't have Samaj Piran anymore to fill that role. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting because I could totally see that where Travion Williams and Chase Brown maybe split that. Maybe Chris Evans gets in the mix. That is one of the bigger competitions, I think, of training camp. And for the first time in a quite some time, I don't think it's going to be a two back room. I think we could see at least three backs semi-regularly where Mixon still plays that 55% of the snaps type deal. And then you have two guys splitting the other 45.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what have we talked about in the last week and really all off season on the offensive side of the ball? We've talked about third, third down back. We talked about Joe Mixon. Of course we've talked enough about Joe Mixon, I think in, in the resolve contract situation, we talked about third down running back. We talked about the offensive line. We talked about right tackle. We've talked about the the shotgun scheme, especially since OTAs. And you look at what Zach Taylor talked about, what Brian Callahan talked about, and th- they hit all of those points. And, and a lot of that comes uh, – you, you make a great point. The, the third down back, a big conversation. One of the big competitions on offense, one of the higher snap count, maybe the highest snap count competition – on the offense. And you might be wondering about right tackle. We'll, we'll dive into that a little bit more tomorrow and and the rationale as to why I'm saying, and I think you would agree, James, the the highest snap count question on this offense right now, barring injuries is is third down back. Mm -hmm. And so it makes sense that both offensive coordinator and offensive minded head coach would talk about third down back and say essentially that that is a competition but I also thought that, you know, Brian Callahan talking about the scheme and how confident he is going into the season with where they're at schematically goes in hand with what he told us when we talked to him after the offseason program and how they've spent time living in this shotgun offense, right? And, and honing it in, refining it, marrying up the run game and the pass game and the shotgun and, and Joe Burrow being healthy. I mean, again, I said this last week, this is the same as last year. We were talking about this is going to be Joe's first first healthy camp. And if that's true and they're in an offensive scheme that they're really comfortable with, maybe the most comfortable they've been since Zach Taylor's been in Cincinnati with their quarterback that's been in the system for the longest, you know, he could possibly be in a system in the yeah. NFL. These, these are things that we've discussed, and it's interesting to hear the coaches talk about them as well.
1: Yeah, it is. And... Other things that the coach has discussed, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking here, just to make sure I, I remember all of them. But like the safety room, Lou, I think is very much taking a, a wait-and-see, let's see how comfortable these guys are, what, what they're going to do, at least publicly. That's how he, he looks at it. I think Duke is pretty confident in the talent in that room, and they believe in Dax. They certainly believe in a guy like Nick Scott, adding him and the young guys behind those two. So that's that's another question, of course, but I don't think the Bengals are as nervous or as worried about the safety room, which I think we've kind of echoed those same thoughts here on the pod as maybe, I don't even want to say national media, but some have said, because when you see Jesse Bates and Von Bell depart in free agency, I think there are a mm-hmm. lot of people that would, would say that, and, and I, I don't think they're expect, expecting it to be as big of a weakness as some think.
0: I mean, there's going to be a drop off, very likely, depending on Dax. Because, you know, they they've got all the physical tools, right? They they have mm-hmm. all the athleticism in the world in the secondary on this team, and that includes the safeties, except Jordan Battle. Not not the best athlete, but athletic enough. It, Von Bell wasn't the best athlete, and and he was a pretty good player. Is a pretty mm-hmm. good player. Jesse Bates seen as a top five safety in the league by most, so big shoes to fill for Dax Hill, but it's not like he can't, uh, you know, he's a first round pick for a reason as we've discussed as well. So will they be a little bit worse? I mean, the, the chemistry maybe won't be there the same way that it was for Jesse Bates and, and for Von Bell and the the communication that they were able to do. But, you know, as we've said all offseason, if they live up to their athletic potential and, and hit the ground running schematically and figure out some of the the bumps in the road early, then they could be, just as solid or maybe a marginally worse unit. And if you're marginally worse at safety, usually that's not a huge deal. And and they're going to be different in other ways too, right? Like they've returned most of their key personnel, but Lou Anarumo also talked about the, the deep edge room that we talked about last week and how they've added players continuously on the edge. I think that there's probably optimism with, with Zach Carter as well, who's going to be one of the guys to watch when pads come on in camp and, and as the preseason gets going, how he's developed from, from year one to year two. And so they're going to be different up front too. And maybe this year they they get up from you know 30th in the NFL in sacks and, and those numbers improved. And, t- and, and that can take some pressure off of your secondary as well. So even if they are a little bit worse at safety – Maybe they're better mm. in other ways, you know. Camp Taylor, Britain, Year Two, Shadobi Abuzie. You know, we're we're pretty sure. We'll talk about this more tomorrow. I'm pretty sure he's going to be back pretty soon, judging from the comments that were made uh, on Monday. But there are enough pieces that are that secure continuity and and add juice in ways that they were missing it last year. Where. This is a broken record, maybe for for the everydayers. It's, it, it's hard to be super concerned about the safeties long term in terms of like season season long aspirations for that group. While there may be some bumps early,
1: yeah, yeah, I think that's the part where you can hopefully limit those the number of those bumps early and, and go from there. But man, the the other thought that I have is Brian Callahan saying this is the most comfortable he's been with an offensive line group coming in. you know and 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 we expect that but and and it goes without saying but i just i think these guys are really confident they know their talent and they're they're determined now to be good from the jump and not have those lulls because they were good in 2021 they were started five and two and then they had a couple lulls mid-season and and then finished really strong and obviously were a few plays away i think they're your expectation was the one seed, right? And I think that's a lot of people's expectation. I think they know that, how how important it would be to get off to a hot start and be the class of the AFC, and they feel like they have the team to do it.
0: Yeah, that should be the goal. It's hard. It's a hard division. It's a hard conference. It's a tough schedule. It's a first-place schedule. Hard to win the AFC North back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. Is that the one that's never been done? Never that's been done. By any team or by nope. the Bengals? No, never. Never never team. been done. So the Bengals trying to be the first team to win the AFC North three straight years is is, is the the first obstacle probably, but and we talked about that actually. Is the AFC North the biggest obstacle? Certainly a big obstacle. But yeah, I think number one seed should be should be the goal. It's just it, it, it is a tough division to do it in. And we're almost done with off season narrative, James. We're almost done. The, the, there's a different form of off-season narrative, I guess, in training camp. I would call those training camp narratives to, to distinguish them from off-season narratives. We're going to sure. be moving from off-season narratives into training camp narratives. Imminently, the Bengals veterans reporting, perhaps, as you listen to this episode, depending on when you listen, on Tuesday. And then we've got our first practice. Won't be pads for a couple of days, but still, there will be things to talk about. We'll see. You know, there's there's video of Andre Yosevich. And how his route running has improved from the rookie camp to early training camp. Rookies are a couple days early. So we'll see stuff like that. We'll see how Chadobia Wuzier is moving, how Lel Collins is moving, and those are topics that we still need to speculate a little bit about. But we're about to have football activities, as they say, to discuss, James. We're almost through this long, long long summer into more summer because that's what training camp is. Anyway, we're back tomorrow with more pre-camp discussion, and then camp kicks off in earnest on Wednesday, and we'll have your training camp updates right here on Lockdown Bengals. So until next time, thanks for listening to this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. day, and have a good one.